miles apart geographically, like-minded philosophically. We love nerdy things, so we tap the wire to discuss them. Welcome to the latest episode of Tap the Wire and To Boldly Pod. That's right, this is going to be a crossover episode of both of my podcasts that I do. Why, you ask? Well, it's because this topic is something that I think both audiences will enjoy to an extent. It's definitely something that I am very passionate about and something... I've kind of been wanting to talk about for a while, and how this whole subject actually came up was during our last episode of Tap the Wire. Aaron asked me if or when I was going to do another Doctor Who episode of Tap the Wire, and at the time I told her, you know, I was going to wait until Jodie Whittaker's tenure was complete and then kind of do a a synopsis, a recap, if you will, of it. And then I got to thinking, you know what? It, we have to wait all summer for her final episode to air when I can kind of summarize everything right now and then maybe do kind of a a bow on the cap of the whole thing this fall. So what we'll do today on this episode is we'll kind of look back at her tenure and series runner Chris Chibnall's tenure as the doctor and the showrunner over the past, well, technically four years, but only three series. And I rewatched her entire tenure up until the Sea Devil episode this past Easter, just a month and a half or so ago, and I've done that over probably the last week or ten days or so, predominantly watched most of the series this holiday weekend, and this will shock nobody, I I, uh, I kind of kept notes as I was going of stuff that maybe I want to talk about during the podcast, and I got to thinking as I was sort of structuring it in my head how I wanted to do it, and I looked down at all the notes that I kept for the whole thing. And, you know, I I don't think... Because I had notes for, like, every single episode for all three series that she has been in, and I don't think I want to do that, because I think that would bore people to sit here and just go episode by episode and talk about them. So I just kind of highlighted some of the 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 more pertinent things that I think I want to cover. And what we'll do is we'll go series by series and sort of highlight some of the episodes and kind of give you my thoughts about the whole three seasons in general, her tenure in general, and we'll talk a little bit about what other people have to say about it as well as we go on. Actually, you know what? I'll probably save that for the end because that'll... Well, well, we'll get to that at the end. 
But Jodie Whittaker made her debut in 2018, or Jodie Whittaker as the doctor, Chris Chibnall as the, the showrunner, and he was predominantly the main writer for a good portion, not the whole series as of now, but a lot of the episodes were were written by him, so... That's kind of when we get to the end of this, a lot of people are kind of snide about her and him in general, and that's we'll, we'll get back to that at the end, but as I stated, it debuted in 2018 with the episode, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, and in that episode, obviously, we, we met all the new companions with Ryan Sinclair and his grandfather, step-grandfather Graham, and we also met the third companion, Yasmin Khan. And that aspect of the series was not necessarily new. It was sort of a, a, a throwback to the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, when they they had three companions in the TARDIS with the Doctor at the same time. It kind of expands the possibilities of storylines. And in that first episode, you have your typical just-regenerating Doctor, so she's still trying to figure out who she is and and trying to find her, her TARDIS and all of this. And then, of course, something happens along the way where she eventually finds her way and and realizes that she's the doctor and has to save the earth and everything and in it we met the character tim shaw or tim shaw depending on how you want to say it and initially i was thinking in that first episode it was a good first episode i wouldn't call it a great first episode i would say for people that maybe tuned in to doctor who for the very first time for the woman who fell to earth. It might not have been the best episode to to dive into, but it wasn't terrible. And all in all, I didn't think it was a bad first episode, but I thought she she did a, a, a wonderful job of taking the reins of the Doctor and sort of incorporating segments of past Doctors into the personality that she portrayed as her doctor. And you could see that right from the get-go. She sort of had a little bit of the the Matt Smith 11th doctor sort of goofiness, but seriousness at the same time. She had a little bit of the the 10th doctor's guarded, doesn't-really-tell-you-anything sort of actually that's kind of a mix between the tenth doctor and the second doctor you know isn't really open with her companions and she she put that out there right from the get-go so in the first season that she was in there were there were some good episodes one of the 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 better ones of that first season was the the third episode rosa which was kind of a throwback to the old 60s episodes of doctor who and it's still relied kind of heavily on historical figures and moments in time where the gang went back in time to Montgomery, Alabama and were part of the whole Rosa Parks on the the bus moment in history. 
and it was an interesting, well-structured, kind of, like I said, throwback to the old 60s episodes with the the modern twist to it. So that was a, a fun little throwback to the the episodes of the early days of Doctor Who. Another kind of throwback type of episode, kind of thrown back to the Russell Davies era, in my opinion, was the Arachnids in the UK episode, which followed up the Rosa episode. And, and one thing with the Russell Davies tenure when Doctor Who restarted in 2005 was he he kind of had some of these episodes that really had some absurd creatures in it. And, 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 and Stephen Moffat kind of continued that a little bit when he took over for Russell Davies, you know, with, with, you know, dinosaurs on a spaceship and episodes like that. But that seemed to be a staple that Russell Davies kind of put his imprint on when he rebooted the show was kind of have these crazy monster creatures and whatnot. And Arachnids in the UK was an episode just like that. With a little bit of a, a political undertow, a little social speech, a little social lecture underneath of the whole thing with, you know, burying toxic waste and these spiders got into it and grew to gigantic portions and whatnot. So another fun little throwback episode was the episode The Witch Finders, which actually co-starred Alan Cummings in the role as King James and that wasn't that was kind of a, a, a tip of the hat to the episodes I, I kind of reference this a lot in previous podcasts talking about Doctor Who is when Tom Baker or the fourth doctor was having his run they sort of structured the series, not completely, because there were still space episodes, but a lot of them were sort of more macabre and kind of leaned on little medieval times or whatnot. And that's sort of what this episode was a tip of the hat to, the Witchfinders episode, which was a, a fun little look at King James and the whole burning of the witches or drowning of the witches and the witch trials back then. So that was a fun little episode. And something that they they did do to conclude the first series or season was the Battle of Ringscore Avkalos, which I'm completely butchering that name, but they tied together the beginning or her first episode with Tim Shaw and brought him back in the final episode of the season to sort of tie it together, loosely tie it together. And that was one thing that was missing, I think, throughout the whole first season, is you didn't have that sort of recurring theme, that recurring nemesis, that recurring monster over a couple of episodes. So I, w I was a little disappointed that they, they were all standalone episodes up until that point, and when they brought him back for the the finale episode of the season, it was a, a, a good tie-in together. Now, all in all, that first series or season 
I remember the first time I seen it and watched it in 2017, I thought, you know, it was good. It wasn't great. And then this past week when I rewatched it, I still thought they were really, really good episodes. They weren't the best Doctor Who that I had ever watched, but they were very good. And they're, they're episodes that I will go back and watch again. And that's one thing, and this is no fault of Peter Capaldi, because I really thought he had so much potential going into being the Doctor. I think he was sort of let down by the writing of his tenure as the Doctor. And I don't really go back and watch many of his episodes. But I think this first season, I mean, it won't be one that I, I constantly turn on and watch over and over again. But it was a fun beginning for Jodie Whittaker in season number one now her second season or series 12 kicked off and we're going to talk a little bit about sort of the the negativity surrounding this season as we go through it but one of the bad things that i didn't necessarily like about it was it was almost an entire year and a half between the end of series 11 her first season and the debut of this one in January of 2020, which was kind of ironic, I guess, because by the time this series concluded, it was right when COVID was really blowing up. So we'll, we'll get to the whole Series 3 thing here in just a little, little bit. But no, one of the, the negative things that a lot of people were saying about series, her 12th, the 12th series or her second season as the Doctor was how sort of politically and socially preachy it got. And, and I can't deny the fact that this second series really did get pretty pe preachy with the writing and i know sci-fi often is sort of has a lot of political undertones or socially conscious in its storytelling and you know what like i said this season really kind of did and i've talked to some people that that was one of the kind of downfalls that they had for and they unfortunately they kind of they 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 include her entire tenure into the statement where it's really not true they were mainly happened in the second series and i think the writers and the showrunners listened to the complaints that they were getting in the third series didn't really have any of that at all but science fiction as a whole does that anyways now series 12 started off with the two-parter called spyfall which was kind of a a a nod of the hat to james bond if you will very loose tip of the hat to james bond and it was a very cool two-part episode and one of the great things is they reintroduced the doctor's longest or one of the doctors the, the doctor's greatest nemesis and that of course is the master and let me just put this out there right now they had uh, sasha dewan playing the master this time and i think he did a 
fantastic job. And I know you can tell from the previews for the her final episode coming this fall that he's going to reprise his role as the master. But I, I thought the way he started off playing the master as kind of the Roger Delgado, very devious, evil master was fantastic. And he kind of mixed in a little bit of the, the, the John Sims sort of crazy, nutty master that you got in David Tennant's tenure. And it was a good mix of the two, and I thought he, he did a, a really, really fantastic job. The, my only drawback was I wish they would have featured him a little bit more than they did. So Spyfall, I thought, was a really good kickoff to her second season as the Doctor. And like they did in her first series with Rosa, they they also tip their hat to the historical travels of the days of yore <laughs> with an episode called Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. And that was one that a lot of people were really excited about because there's a lot of people out that are huge fans of Nikola Tesla and a lot of fan same a lot of the same people are, are huge Doctor Who fans so when they blend the two together and you find out the Doctor's gonna meet Nikola Tesla people were overjoyed and I think as a whole there was a lot of positivity about the episode it wasn't a the the greatest episode but I thought for what they did with it, it was a really fun little episode. Now, the episode following that is sort of where they stepped a little bit into the quicksand. I think the writers did. Anyway, it's not saying anything about her as the doctor, but I think the, the, the creative team sort of stepped in a little bit of quicksand, or if you might put it one way, might have stepped on the cat's tail meaning the cat being longtime fans or dedicated fans. And that was the episode Fugitive of the Jadoon. And then we kind of revisited it at the end of the season with the ascension of the Cybermen. And spoiler alert, well, actually it shouldn't be a spoiler alert because if you haven't watched it, and you don't want to be spoiled, you might want to shut this podcast off right now because I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler, but I think it's been long enough. People probably have seen everything on the internet already. Anyways, but what they introduced was a different sort of timeline with the Doctor, and it got really got people up in arms. And what do I mean by that is they introduced a character that was the doctor that Jodie Whittaker's doctor had no memory of. So initially she thought she must be a future version of her, but this other doctor, or as they called her, the, the fugitive doctor also had no memory of Jodie Whittaker. So if she was a future version, she would remember 13, but neither one of them knew each other. So as it turned out, there was this whole timeline shift 
and we're going to get into it more as we go on, but the basic semblance of it is the Master returns and tells the Doctor that her memories are incomplete, and she's actually the creature that sort of created the whole Time Lord species, and she isn't necessarily a Time Lord. She's an orphan that was found by a woman named Tecteun from the species of the Shobagon, who were the inhabitants of Gallifrey. And they couldn't regenerate in when... Tecteun found this orphan and brought her back to Gallifrey, and this orphan had an accident, and she didn't die. She actually regenerated, and Tecteun took it upon herself to, to study and figure out what was making this child continue to regenerate. So bottom line of the whole thing was the doctor is the genesis of the entire Time Lord race, the, the genesis of their ability to regenerate. And that really set a lot of people up in arms. But that's sort of throwing away canon for the past 55 years and rewriting the whole Doctor Who script. Now, I totally get why people will up in arms about that because I have to freely admit. When J.J. Abrams rebooted Star Trek in the early 2010s, I wasn't a fan with the whole Kelvin Universe reboot of that either. So I get why people were upset with it. But you know what? All in all, the second season, even with all its sort of preachy episodes that they incorporated into it, and that whole big reveal that everything we knew for the previous 55 years wasn't, in fact, what was really true. It was a pretty good episode, and I understand the reasoning behind Chris Chibnall's idea of doing that, because if you're a fan of the show, and I'm not even saying I'm the biggest Doctor Who fan out there, I'm just, I'm more, I don't want to say, I, I hate saying I'm knowledgeable, but I know a little bit, I've watched it more and noticed more things or studied more things than sort of your passive Doctor Who fan has. And that includes watching it all the, the old episodes, the 60s, 70s, and 80s episodes as well. It's really apparent more so in the 4th and 5th and 6th Doctor in the 70s and early 80s. But it's also a little bit apparent with the second Doctor that the Time Lords kind of have this little guarded reverence towards the Doctor. And you never quite get an explanation as to why the Doctor's able to get away with all this stuff when they're such a, a prim and proper, allegedly prim and proper race, why he he or she gets to get away with with everything like stealing the TARDIS and 
and bucking their their traditions and all of this stuff. And I, going back, I kind of get why Chris Chibnall did that. You see, now he's explaining to you why the Time Lords had so much patience and reverence for the Doctor if the Doctor was the one that 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 gave them this ability to regenerate. So I, I get people's anger about the whole storyline, but I also get Chris Chibnall's reasoning for creating that story, and it makes sense to me, actually. And before we get into her third and final season, I'll sort of bring up the the holiday specials, which I wasn't really going to talk a ton about. One thing about the holiday specials, where all of them feature Daleks, I don't know if that was a conscious choice to do that, or it just sort of happened that way, but... All three holiday specials to this point all featured the Daleks in them. And this one, after season number 12, marked the departure of Graham and Ryan from the TARDIS. And Yaz decides to stay with the Doctor, which, you know, kind of happened a lot in the older days. But it seemed like with with the rebirth of the series in 2005, they sort of stuck with companions at least through 10 years or whatnot, unless the the actor or actress decided they wanted to move on. Actually, now that I think about it, the only time there was Dr. Turnover where a companion stayed was Rose with 9 and 10, and Clara with 11 and 12 they always kind of recycled the the companions as well so ryan and graham leaving kind of opened the door for sort of a storyline they were building up to that i didn't really see coming and i'll talk about it more in a second but but series 13 debuted in and like i said at the beginning of series 12 Series 13 didn't debut for, again, well over a year and a half later, this time in December, excuse me, October of 2021. And I get why it happened this time with COVID and everything, so I don't really, I was just sad there wasn't Doctor Who to watch during the whole quarantine phase of our lives, but... Series 13, which was simply called Doctor Who Flux, debuted October 31st, Halloween, in 2021. And one thing I will say about this one, and I don't know if it was Chris, if if Chris Chibnall listened to the negativity that he was getting about the series up to that point, or what it was, but he did something that hadn't really been done since the Sixth Doctor in 1984 and 85, and that was a whole season-long story arc, and I thought it was just fantastic. And I know there's some people out there that still haven't completely watched the whole thing, so I don't want to get into a bunch of spoilers about this one since this season is still sort of fresh in everyone's mind 
But I will just simply say it incorporated a lot of the things they did in the first two seasons, not necessarily the preachy part of series 12, but sort of the tip in the hat to the old school going back in history episodes and stuff like that, because they went back to the Crimean War during this whole flux season. And they tied it all together at the very end, and I'm not going to give any spoilers out about the end of it, but let's just say everything they built up in Season 12 with the Doctor being the birth of the Time Lords, or being the birth of regeneration for the Time Lords, is tied up succinctly at the end of the Doctor Who Flux season. And let me just say this. If you've been a fan of the new Doctor Who since 2005, you'll want to watch this series if you have in your power to do it because it brings back a lot of the the monsters that have really been introduced to the series since 2005, like the 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 weeping angels now one thing i think i was remiss in saying at the beginning was not only did graham and ryan leave but they introduced a new companion for this flux season to travel along with the doctor and yaz and that was the character of dan lewis and, and he was a good character I thought, a good addition to it because you had the the sort of seriousness between the Doctor and Yaz, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. And Dan was sort of the, the, the comedy to sort of lighten the mood for all of them within this entire season. And he also ended up being sort of the voice of reason for both of them. The sort of, you know... Hello, it's more than obvious, stating the obvious voice of reason, I guess, is the best way to put it. But at the very end, and like I said, I'm not going to give spoilers about the Flux season in case people haven't seen it yet. But one thing they sort of culminated it with is this budding or wishful romance or crush that Yaz has on the doctor and showed signs that the doctor sort of had these same sort of feelings for Yaz. And that's something I know they did it with Rose and they played it a little bit with Martha having a crush on the doctor and Clara having feelings for the doctor before since 2005, since it came back. But that's something I, I really have always enjoyed about the original Doctor Who is they, they left the, the romantic portion of storytelling out of Doctor Who and they kind of brought it in a little bit with Rose and Martha and Clara, like I said, for the rebirth in 2005. And they, they hinted to it with Yaz and the Doctor here on this one. It's the, the, the only minor thing that I have to say about the whole thing was I really wish, you know, just let the companions be companions, be the best of friends. You don't have to insert 
romance into it. They they get themselves into enough dramatic situations where you don't need to instill drama by including romance. But that's just me. Maybe that's just the old school sci-fi fan in me. I don't know. So all in all, I think the whole Flux season, at least everything that I, I read and noticed people saying was sort of recaptured the energy that the series had sort of lost in Chris Chibnall's first two seasons. And there's still the naysayers out there that whine about terrible writing, which I'm going to actually stand up for them on this rewatch because the writing has not been bad these entire three years. Could it have been better? Could have some of the episodes been better? Absolutely. Could it have been a little less preachy in series 12? Yeah, but that's sort of the way of the world with TV and entertainment now, is they tend to have sort of a social message or a political message, or and that's just the way it is. And it's not really anything completely new. It's just more, it's less subtle now than, say, it used to be in the 60s with, for example, the original Star Trek. They had those political messages, those social messages in there, but they were so subtle that they didn't offend people. And these were a little bit more out there and in your face. And in a world of social media where people get offended by somebody swatting a fly, of course people had to get upset about it. But I don't think the writing was bad. I thought it was actually pretty damn good. Better the second time when I actually sat down and really, really paid attention to everything. Because when I watched them the first time around, when they first aired, I thought they were good. I didn't think they were great. Some of these episodes were actually pretty damn great. And the whole Flux season is pretty damn great. I mean, there's a couple of low spots in the middle, but you get that with everything. You can't have end-to-end action for an entire season. And if you do, that series is going to burn out fast. And the other thing, and I'm just going to put this out there right now because it's really bugged me since they announced Jodie Whittaker as the next Doctor, and that's the fact that there's so many sexist people out there that couldn't get over the fact that they hired a woman to play the Doctor. And you know what, folks? If you quit watching it or you had an attitude watching it that you weren't going to like it and you just you dis, you convinced yourself you weren't going to watch it because or weren't going to enjoy it because she's a woman and damn it the doctor is a man oh, no the doctor's not a man the doctor's actually a freaking alien that can regenerate so get over yourself i think jodie whittaker has done a phenomenal job as the Doctor. She's taken portions of Patrick Troughton and Matt Smith and the quirkiness of other Doctors and incorporated it into her Doctor, but she's also had that sort of mysterious 
bit, that little conniving bit that you also saw with, say, 10 and a little bit with Tom Baker and doctors like that where they they flat out lie to you because they don't tell you everything, but they always have a plan in place. You just don't know what's going on. They're not completely honest with you, but they get the job done in the end. And I think she has been phenomenal as the doctor. And I'm guessing that if I was to rank my doctors right now, and it's hard to do this with recency bias, but she'd probably be somewhere, I would guess, in the middle to upper half of my rankings of the doctor. I think she's been that good. And I started this whole thing off talking about, you know, Compaldi had so much potential to be a great doctor, but I think the writing sort of let him down, and that a lot goes into them shifting the show more about a companion than the doctor. But he's the reason, or that's the reason that I have would have him so far down on the list, because I think he could have been a great doctor. They just didn't give him the opportunity to do it. And whether or not you believe that the writing for her tenure was bad or not, which I just said I don't think it was, but if you're somebody that thinks it is, you have to give her kudos for the job that she has done in that case because she has really taken the role of the doctor and not only made it her own, but she's also done it in such a way to sort of tip a, tip the hat or tip her hat to the actors that came before her by incorporating some of their mannerisms into her doctor. And that's not like Compoldi always kind of pulled out lines that other doctors used. And I, I wish they would have done that more with him. But she didn't say the lines that other doctors said, even though she did on occasion, but they all do. But she took the mannerisms of previous doctors and incorporated it into her doctor. And I think that was just a fantastic decision. I don't know if that was Chibnall and the writing team or the producing team's choice or her choice or her choice along with their choice, but whoever decided to do it, I think that was just a fantastic idea to do is sort of blend some of the best nuances of other doctors into hers, but it's still her doctor, in my opinion, will still go down as ultimately as her. She wasn't playing, say, for example, she wasn't playing Doc David Tennant's doctor. She was playing Jodie Whittaker's doctor that had some of the tendencies that the earlier doctors had. And I think that is something to be applauded. Kudos to you. So all in all, I've loved her as the doctor. I'm going to be sad to see her go. And she's only got one episode left to go coming up this fall. And I realize they all three years and go for the most part. So I'm not surprised that she's going, but, I just thought she's been great, and 
she shouldn't have to hear people talk about the doctor's a man, damn it, because she's taken the role and she's done just as good, if not better, than more than half of the men that have played the role, in my opinion. So if you have any thoughts about Jodie Whittaker's tenure, the episodes, the three seasons that she was the doctor, let us know on Facebook or Twitter at Tap the Wire or Too Boldly Pod. And I think what I'll do is I'll either do a mini wrap-up episode after her regeneration this fall, and we'll talk a little bit about it then, and then we'll talk about looking forward to the new Doctor and the new production team, which is actually the return of Russell Davies, and talk about the 60th anniversary, which is also coming up. So we'll do that as sort of a either mini or full episode after her final episode. But I think she was wonderful. And I wish people would just put down their their sexism and watch the show for what it is. Because were there some not-so-great episodes? Yes, but there's some not-so-great episodes in every TV show. But all in all especially this past season with the Flux episodes. The Flux season was a fantastic bit of Doctor Who, a fantastic bit of science fiction. And if you're not watching it because she's a woman and the Doctor's not a woman, you're totally missing out. So that's all I have. So thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast don't forget to hit like and subscribe and until next time folks reverse the polarity of the neutron stream Your intel threat level for this episode has been deemed at low.